Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 111 of the Tuesday Night Comics Podcast. I'm Billy, and with me, as always, is Dave. Hey, guys. I really like this number, 111. I don't know why. I just like infinitely repeating digits. <laughs> or digits repeating three times. Okay, yeah. But I can't count higher than two. So once you hit three, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. Um, so we, we're, we've got a special treat for you guys today, as long as um, I'm able to pull this off. We might have a special treat is what I should say. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I got to interview some of the stars of Batman Bad Blood. Um, Taylor Swift was not one of them, despite what I thought because of the title. And uh, those interviews should be tacked on to the end of this episode. If not, you have a very short episode this week. So look at it as a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we're going to be talking Deadpool movie and, uh, and, and we'll be talking about Deadpool dead presidents as well. But first in the news, uh, two bad pieces of news in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. The worst news ever is that our valued customers, uh, the online, uh, web comic is, uh, going away, it's shutting down. It's, uh, it's, it's, well, it's not shutting down its site, but there'll be no, new comics of our valued customers yeah and and dave and i had both met uh mr tim you know the artist at new york comic-con and special edition nyc a couple of times uh he was always a fun guy to talk to yeah uh he was he's as funny as his strips um yeah uh he definitely had a uh has a good eye for uh picking out uh comments that people uh, say whether they're uh, you know, just, you know, good observations uh, that these people are saying or like completely ridiculous. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. I left a comment on his Facebook page a couple of weeks ago where I found myself agreeing with the strip and I was like, I don't know what this says about either the person who said that or me that I'm starting to like agree with the people. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, I think some like he it started out very much like he was, you know, picking up the the crazy things that people will, would say in the uh, comic book store when he was a, uh, a, a working there. And um, then uh, I think as it went along, like a lot of times he would just say, oh, that's kind of funny, you know, it, it, that this person is making this observation, you know, it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean this person's crazy. And I think he tagged those with, it's true. <laughs> yeah, and Dave and I have been immortalized in unpublished uh, our valued customers strips, so that was fun. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, yeah, but that was. I'm sorry, go on. Uh, those are always the highlights of New York Comic Con, uh, getting uh, to chat with him and and getting to purchase some of his uh, comics that weren't on the web, and uh, you know, just uh, getting a. Uh, getting to know him a little bit. So I hope he still like is putting out uh, comics of some kind because even the stuff that he was doing that was not Our Valued Customers that I picked up, it was pretty funny. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to see more from him if it's not Our Valued Customers. Did, did he say why he's ending the strip? Um, I just, it just looked like one big image. It said, you know, uh, the last 50, like it's coming to an end or, you know. Right. The end is upon us. That's what he wrote. I guess he wants to go out, you know, while it's still good and not like peter out, which is too bad though, because I really do. I think it's the best comic book, like web comic, comic book related web comic on the web. Uh, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. And the other piece of bad news is that Read Pop, the organization behind New York Comic Con, has announced that special edition NYC will not be happening this year. Hmm. Dave, I already had my cosplay picked out that that's that's such a bummer yeah and it's funny because i've gone on the special edition site like a week ago and just to see when tickets were going on sale and it was like dates and ticket info coming soon i was like oh wow they didn't even like finalize the date yet and then they put out this week or well, this past week that it's not happening this year and i think that sucks because like to me special edition nyc is the best parts of new york comic-con you have artist alley in the panel rooms and like, and then it's, and it's cheap. It was like 20 bucks for, I think it was $30 for the whole weekend last year, like $20 for a single day and like $35 for the whole weekend. Um, totally worth it. 
Yeah, and you know, it's it's a blast. It just takes out all the non-comic book stuff uh, yeah. from Comic-Con. So it's like a true Comic-Con um, uh, in the comic sense of the word. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little disappointed too. Um, but I mean, I, I guess the draws of Comic-Con now are a lot of times not the comic books. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's funny because I saw somebody, uh, somebody post like, oh, this convention's weak. Like there's no Walking Dead cast there. And I'm like, it's a comic book convention. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a bummer. Um, yeah. I have a bit of news that I stumbled upon. Uh, what's that? Um, so I picked up um, the free DC Entertainment uh, Essential Graphic Novels and Chronology 2016 um, book uh, from Comixology. And I went through it and, you know, it, it's, it's definitely bigger than like the pamphlet that they used to give out. This is almost like a graphic novel sized list of everything. Uh, and they have like this back uh, catalog of stuff and they it, they put it in suggested reading order, which mm. is uh, uh, for, like they have the essential stuff up front and then they go and break it down by like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, you know, Flash, Green Arrow, Green Lantern. And they do like, you know, these are the um, essential books and these are the essential books that you should uh, and the order you should read them in. And it's kind of funny because like you'll look at the Batman stuff and it's like, oh, here's uh, year one. Then it has like, you know, um, long Halloween. And you're like, yeah, that that would make sense to read that after that. And then they, but then like all of a sudden uh, you're at like um, Killing Joke and you're like, well, to get to Killing Joke, if these are essentials, you should probably read Batgirl year one to even like get a sense of why it was like such a bad thing that. Barbara Gordon was killed, or even know who she is. Mm. Um, uh, I, like I feel like people know who that Barbara Gordon's Batgirl, even if they've never read a Batman comic. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's just like become like part of the pop culture. Yeah, I would say yes and no to that. You know, like I mean, I think like way back when. Uh, the Superman movie came out, we found out that uh, my now brother-in-law did not know that Superman was an alien. So, I, you know, <laughs> I, and I think this is like, you know, pitching to the comics readers who, you know, aren't very familiar, maybe. Gotcha. Um, so it was a little, that was a little interesting. But then when you got into the back, it was just like this really long list. It was like backlist and the reading order of this backlist. Mm. And so it would be like hundreds of stuff. And so like, and even that, like the reading orders were messed up. Like they had like the, uh, justice society of America by Jeff Johns and Dale Eaglesham come first. And then second, they want you to start with the, uh, James Robinson slash David Goyer run. Hmm. But that came first. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense, guys. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so all that aside, I was like poking through that and being like, <laughs> wrong again about your own stuff, DC, you know. And uh, I came across uh, Teen Titans um, standalone graphic novels. And uh, they had, you know, Teen Titans year one, um, volume one, or Teen Titans um, Earth one, volume one, that we had reviewed in the book club a uh, couple months ago. Right. Um, and we were both, well, this is so awesome. And we were both really bummed that um, Jeff Lemire was off uh, out of DC into Marvel. So like what was going to happen to volume two? Well, volume two is in there. Oh, really? And it has an artist on it too, who's, who is not... Uh, Terry Dodson. Terry Dodson, yeah. So we will be getting that book. So I thought that was like a really cool piece of news to stumble upon that that is, he probably wrote it before he left DC and it's being drawn right now. That's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, do, so who's the artist on it? Ah. Oh. <laughs> All right, no, don't, don't worry about it. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know as we, we talk. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it. I'll be like, I found it, I found it. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, now let's see, did you, I, you saw Deadpool this week. I did. I didn't even have to ask that because actually Dave and I ended up both seeing it on Friday. When I walked out of the theater, I already had a text from Dave that said Deadpool, thumb, thumbs up, thumbs up. 
Yeah, yeah. And then I said, you wanted to say Deadpool with like five tacos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I laughed. Um, and yeah, it was a great movie. And a little bit of a surprise at how good it was, I thought. Uh, yeah, I, I, I exceeded every one of my expectations. I, I, I don't know any, I have yet to encounter a person who did not like that movie. You know what I think they did pretty well is they gave, you know, they they made Deadpool emotionally relatable by uh, bringing him back pre-Deadpool days. And, uh, you know, you kind of felt for him oh, just enough, you know? Mm. Um, and, you know, in doing that, like, I think it, it, you know, without that, it could have just been like a um, over-the-top, like, funny gross, ultra-violent, ultra-sexualized movie, which would have been fine, but because they did that, it made it so much better. Hmm. Yeah, I, like, I saw it with my wife, who is not a comic book fan, and she loved it. Um, yeah, and I think they did a great job of making it, uh, in, you know, making an X-Men movie without making it, like, an X-Men movie. Um, and then also they did a great job with the humor. Like they put humor into everything. Even the opening credits were making me actually like laugh out loud. Yeah. Um, uh, right off the bat where the, the opening credits are, are um, just making, poking fun at them, uh, at the creators themselves is just yeah. perfect. Oh, it, the, the, the whole movie is like tongue in cheek. I loved when they brought in, uh, and there's going to be sp- Minor spoilers here, people. So if you want to go in fresh, you know, pause. <laughs> but the, there was one scene where Deadpool's talking about his most prized possession, and it's a Deadpool action figure from Wolverine Origins. When and Ryan, this is set, Ryan Reynolds' second time playing Deadpool. He was Deadpool in that movie too, which like they ruined Deadpool. Deadpool's a merc with the mouth. They actually literally sewed his mouth shut in that movie, and then gave him those giant like Baraka from Mortal Kombat arm bones uh claws coming out of his forearms um but he had that action figure and i love that they were poking fun of that they poked fun at green lantern they poked fun at ryan reynolds as an actor Uh. yeah um i enjoyed uh when yeah i I enjoyed all of that and i i I forgot what i was gonna say actually (laughs) Uh, Um, and i was i didn't know that the girl from firefly was going to to be the, you know, play Vanessa, uh, Marina Bakarin. Yeah, um, and um, she's also, uh, she is uh, Leslie Tom- Thompson in uh, Gotham. Oh, really? I Oh, nice. I haven't watched Gotham this season. Yeah, I mean, last it's not the Leslie Thompson you know. She's, uh, you know, she's sexy and dating Jim Gordon. Interesting. Um Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't realize she had that kind of a connection, too. Uh, she, yeah, she is as gorgeous as she ever was in, in Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really like, like well, I, I, that's what I like about it, too, is that they included Deadpool characters, like Blind Al, who was introduced in the Joe Kelly run. Vanessa, um, she, they, they changed the character for the movie, and they changed her for the better, because you know, she had like a convoluted like backstory. Mm-hmm. It would have been having like Revenge, the uh, the alt Psylocke in the movie, and trying to explain that away. Um, but yeah, I'm glad they. I'm glad like Vanessa was the love interest. I'm glad that Blind Al, Weasel, um, who else? Uh, Hydra Bob. Like they they did a great job of 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 uh, just bringing in the Deadpool comic book universe into the movie, and then also like. This is the most screen accurate or the most comic accurate screen costume I think we've ever had for a comic book character. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, the the one thing I think is, you know, sometimes you forget about comic book movies um, is like, unlike a book. So like, you know, if you are adapting a book to a movie, you're looking at that book and then you're trying to make it fit into like that two hours, uh, you know, and make it visually appealing and you know uh just kind of tell that same story but in in different confines um but with a lot of superhero movies um you know you get to pick and write your own story and cherry pick 
uh, the best versions of these characters. And um, a lot of times that doesn't happen. You know, a lot of times uh, that's ignored or, you know, the wrong stuff is picked. And I think this is just one of those times where you're like, they pick all the best parts of Deadpool. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, and as you know, as I was watching the movie, I was like, "Crap, we should have done the Joe Kelly era," just because there was so much Joe Kelly stuff in there for Tuesday Night Book Club. Although, having read Dead Presidents, I like I'm on board for the rest of this Deadpool series. I think I'm just going to read the rest of it in Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, it was uh, it was really fun, and uh, it was a great read for President's Weekend, uh, President's that, Day Weekend. That that is true. I, that that didn't occur to me when we when we. Uh, picked that out last week but it it was deadpool weekend and president's day weekend and the deadpool did presidents by brian Pussain, jerry duggan and tony moore was definitely the the perfect thematic book for that yeah um this was a great book i laughed a lot and you know i i had read i haven't read a lot of deadpool books like you know i've read him in other comic books um right i read like a mini series mark wade did i think um, which was okay, mm. uh, or it was Jeff Loeb, maybe. I forget. Um, it was a long time ago. And I read that Joe Kelly um, Spider-Man issue. Oh, yeah, that's a great issue. And I, I was bored. Oh, really? I love that issue. Um, I never read that Spider-Man comic book, so maybe it was all lost on me. Mm, maybe. I mean, there was some funny parts, but at the same time, I was like, feel like I should have read this Spider-Man book. Oh, so yeah, you're talking about the uh, Deadpool number 11, right? Not the Amazing Spider-Man issue that Deadpool gets started in during big time. Uh, right, the one where he goes and- Oh yeah, man, I absolutely, I'm amazed. That is one of my favorite comics of all time. Yeah, I don't, maybe I just wasn't in the mood. I don't know. Or like, yeah. maybe I had to have read that comic, but like there were some funny parts, but like a lot of it, like, I don't know. But oh, sometimes man. I feel like comic book humor like is lost on me a lot. Like, like with that Harley series, I didn't really care for. Yeah, I, as I was reading Deadpool Dead Presidents, I was wondering how you felt about the humor in this because I feel like it's similar in tone to the Harley series. But in my opinion, I thought they handled it a lot better. Oh, I think it's way better, and I feel like there's not a lot of like, I don't know. Like, I think what I didn't like with the Harley book was that, like, she was, you know, it was, it, there were jokes, but it was also like, oops, I'm like, you know, like, I'm saying Access. sexual innuendos uh, to Poison Ivy, but I don't even know that I'm doing it. See, he, like, it just seemed, right. it didn't seem, I don't know. It just kind of, it, it felt like you were pandering to, like, you know, horny fanboys. Yeah, the the Harley books seemed a little contrived to me. And like, I don't know, like it, it like she's so, like she, it doesn't seem like she would be. If she's crazy, that crazy, like you know, like like Deadpool is, like the humor comes because they know they're crazy and yeah. like they do crazy things, and I think that's what they did in this. Uh, Dead President's book so well was that like there wasn't really like tongue-in-cheek stuff like wink wink we're being funny here you know like yeah. they were just like we're being funny <laughs> this is a humor book and we're being funny and I think that's what I liked about it um, because the character lends itself to that you know like yeah. there you know I think if you're going to do like something where you're winking at the camera a lot where you know uh, there's like some subtle jokes in there a, a place not to do it would be like someone who dresses up like a clown, you know? Right. So I think that's probably what I didn't like about that. But like with Deadpool, there's no like wink, wink. There's just like, you know, you get the jokes. We're telling you jokes here. This is a funny book. And they nail the jokes. I, I laughed out loud a couple of times. Yeah. I, well, I think it helped that they actually got professional comedy writers to write this Deadpool series. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Brian Poussain. Yeah. Or Poussain. Uh, um oh and it turns out remember last week i was like tony moore is really um channeling jeff darrow in these covers <laughs> and that's because those are jeff darrow covers for the first five issues yeah yeah i i saw that too um how did you like the story like that you know this uh goofy like old like 1960s shield era 
um, uh, agent uh, brings presidents back to life to uh, help uh, America get back on track, but they come back as like uh, evil zombies. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. And I thought it was paced perfectly, like as a six issue story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it followed the same kind of like three act structure that a screenplay does, especially where, you know, it, it almost seemed as if uh, it was going to be a five issue story. And then when it came to a head, you're like, oh, no, the stakes just got raised again. And now it's time for the final fight between like Washington and Deadpool at, at the nation's capital. Yeah, uh, I, I, I thought it was a bit of a bummer that they killed Agent Preston off by the end of the book. Um, but I do like that she's continuing on as one of the voices in Deadpool's head. Um, and I did go so far. I liked the series so much. I read the next issue, Deadpool number seven, which, uh, like that Spider-Man issue, takes place in the past. Mm-hmm. But unlike the Spider-Man issue, it's all new art by Scott Koblish. But it's in the uh, it's in like the the nineteen eighties uh, time period of when like Iron Man was battling alcoholism, so <laughs> it it fits right into like the demon in the bottle storyline. And it's oh, funny, that's cool. You know, it it and it's not like Deadpool time traveled. Uh, it's Deadpool existing as a character in the early eighties. It's a supposed inventory story, and then by the end of the issue, they explain why. Uh, you don't see him in the Marvel Universe between 1981 and 1991. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I'm absolutely loving this series. Um, I had read, you know, some of the books here and there, like during Axis, I picked up Deadpool. And um, at, during Original Sin, I picked up a couple of issues. Or like if, 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 it, if it had a cool looking guest star or even a cool looking cover, I'd pick a, a, an issue up here or there. So I'm interested just to like read through the entire series now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely would go back and read some more of this. Um, I'm, I'm in the middle of, uh, I, I just jumped on to read uh, Batman uh, Court of Owls, volume one. Mm, um, nice. And I would have to say that if anybody does read this, read uh, Gates of Gotham first. It really is a good primer for um, for uh, this the storyline. It, it, it they talk about a lot of characters in uh, Court of Owls that they uh, that you get to know in that book. So uh, so yeah, I think it, it's it just adds an extra level to it uh, of of enjoyment. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and I did figure out that guy's name. Uh, who will be drawing Teen Titans uh, Earth One Volume Two? Nice. Uh, who is it? It's Andy McDa- uh, McDonald, and um, he. It doesn't seem like he's done like a ton of stuff. He's worked on American Terrorist, uh, Bad Karma, Duplicate, The End League, uh, The New Fifty Two, Future's End, which could have been any of those like zillion issues, yeah. uh, The Punisher War Journal. Uh, Strange Sports Stories, The Terminator, and he was in Time Warp, um, the uh, book that we were talking about uh, a couple weeks ago with Rip Hunter. Um, And he also drew, if you have your Multiversity guidebook, Mm -hmm. uh, go check that out. He drew the evil Superman Earth uh, or that... um, the uh barack obama superman fought gotcha in like action comics 12 or something like that um so yeah so that's who's who's uh writing that yeah i hope he brings his a game because the dodsons are a hard act to file yeah that's what i thought i was like oh that is a bummer that the dodsons won't be drawing that um but yeah i mean he looks like he uh, i checked out his website um earlier today and it looks like he has some really uh, cool stuff on there. So, um, and it seems a little bit more in tone with uh, Lemire's uh, kind of style. Mm. Um, so, like more of that indie vibe. So that's cool. Um, and yeah. Oh, and in other news, in other news, I just want to quickly say, um, Action Comics Annual. Five, I believe it is. Uh, 
is is now available. And uh, if people don't know what that is, that is the first appearance of Loose Cannon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did get a, a tweet or a text from you saying that. Uh, yeah, I tweeted that out. I, I you know, I, Bloodlines never forget, you know. Yeah. I'm going to hold out for the Bloodline, the inevitable Bloodlines 99 cent sale to pick up that one. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're starting to stock up now, so you know it's coming. Um, so, uh, but definitely give it a read. Uh, written by Jeff Loeb, uh, art by uh, Stargirl co creator Lee Motor. So, this is not one to pass up. <laughs> That's funny. Um, cool. Now, uh, let's do the 20. Or actually, let's next week we're going to be reading Descender Volume 1, 10 Stars, right? Uh, yes, by Jeff Lemire. By and Jeff. and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dustin Nguyen? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm killing it on, uh, <laughs> on guess, the, guess the Creator today. <laughs> you are. Um, so, Dave. Besides Descender Volume 1, which you'll be reading next week, what else is in your 20? I guess Descender Volume 1 isn't actually in your 20. <laughs> Forget um, I said that. <laughs> Dr. Fate number 9. Um, uh, Khalid's going to Egypt to explore where his powers come from, and he gets into all types of trouble. I'm uh, super excited for this. Paul Levitz uh, is writing, and Sonny Liu is drawing and doing all the art. Um, and that's thirty dollars. Uh, next up is James Robinson's. Oh, just one, one quick thing. Uh, speaking of Doctor Fate, Paul Levitz and Sonny Liu will be signing Doctor Fate Volume One: uh, The Trade at Midtown Comics Downtown in New York City on April first. So mark your calendars for that if you're interested in that book. I do believe you do have to buy the trade there to participate in the signing. Ah, uh, cool. That's really cool. Um, Next up is Squadron Supreme number three by James Robinson and Leonard Kirk. Uh, we last left these guys um, in um, Weird World. Um, right. And so um, this issue, uh, we're, I guess, going back to the real world um, and the squadron needs to answer for their extreme measures. Uh, and uh, so we'll... Yeah. Uh, it's funny, you know, it's it, this book in my mind is it, kind of like a victim of double shipping. Now that that seems to have ended, um, I'm like, it's been so long since we got the last issue of Squadron Supreme. I don't even know if this is right. Because um, I just, I was like, Squadron, this reads like last issue. Um, maybe I wrote down, maybe I looked at the wrong thing here. Um, uh, well, you know what? There is a second printing of... Um, number three this week but number four is a new issue oh maybe i just copied the wrong uh <laughs> i think i just copied the wrong um yeah they they are uh, still gonna be thing. in weird, weird world because uh, yeah. they're teaming up with thundara but uh yeah um so for the most part that is correct <laughs> yeah so anyway um I'm also jumping on Extraordinary X-Men um, number seven by Jeff Lemire with art by Humberto Ramos. And uh, I've just really been enjoying this series as I enjoy everything by Jeff Lemire. So I'm pretty excited for Descender uh, this week too. Um, so that's also $4. Next up is another $4 book, which is Titans Hunt number five, which I think is leading us to Rebirth and is also a great read. Um, I suggest any Titans fan pick this up. Um, after that, I'm going to Martian Manhunter number nine by Rob Williams and Eddie Barrows. And um, we're, John Jones is back and he is fighting Malefic, which is his arch nemesis of the Martian variety. Um, so uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And Ms. Martian is now appearing in the book too. Oh, nice. Which is cool. And lastly, uh, is a, a $3 book, which is going to put me a dollar over. And um, it's a Secret Six number 11, uh, which uh, focuses on Strix, a former mm. Talon. Um, and she's one of the newest members of the Secret Six. And uh, it looks like the Court of Owls might be uh, coming to look for her. So there's my 20. One. Nice. 
<laughs> 21. Uh, you could, I, I don't think I'll be hitting 20 exactly, so you could have one of my dollars. Uh, first up for me, and as soon as I saw Martian Manhunter was coming out, I was like, oh, I bet Dean's going to be Superman American Alien number four, uh, written by Max Landis, art by Jay Lee. Uh, it's hard to pass up a Jay Lee drawn book. And this one is going to have Clark travel to Metropolis, where he's going to meet up with both Oliver Queen and Bruce Wayne. So they, they, they've got my $4 there. Um, then jumping down to image, we've got birthright number 14. This book is so good. Uh, it is Conan meets game of Thrones means like little Nemo and Slumberland. Uh, <laughs> it, it's an, at $3 a book. It's a bargain. That's written by Joshua Williamson art by Andre Bresson and Adriana Lucas, uh, has ever since we read the first two trades has become like one of my favorite comics. Um, so is the third trade trade out yet? I believe the third trade is out. Yes. Oh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll definitely pick that up because yeah. I've been enjoying um, it. So that brings me to seven dollars, and um, there's another. There's a new image series starting this this week called Snowfall. It's written by Joe Harris, who is known for writing the X Files comic. And uh, Vertigo artist Martin Morazzo. Um, it's one of those image books that's four bucks, but it's going to be like 30, 30 pages, so a nice thick comic. Um, and it, it looks like one of these um, slightly like not apocalyptic futures, but in the near future dystopian future. And the, the concept seems good enough to get me to want to uh drop down four dollars on that comic so that's that's four bucks um so that brings me up to 11 i believe mm -hmm. and i'm running out of money quickly because we've got um, a new issue of archie from archie comics and we also have a new artist on archie uh veronica fish is now taking over for katie cook who took over for fiona staples um it's still written by mark wade We've got Archie number six this week, so that brings me up to 15. Oh, as it turns out, Dave, I cannot lend you a dollar. Uh, I don't know. I take that back. I can. I was going to say I was going to pick up Avengers. Um, there is a, a, an Avengers book out this week that I think a lot of people might overlook. Avengers Standoff, Welcome to Pleasant Hill number one. Partially because it's a $5 comic, partially because it's like, uh, okay, what is this? But it's going to be leading into this spring's uh, big Avengers crossover, so that should be on your radar. But I will not be picking that up because we have a new issue of Squadron Supreme, and I love this book as much as Dave does. So that will bring me to nineteen dollars, and Dave, you could have my spare dollar. Yes, but I will say this: I'm not picking this book up this week. But the cover of the week goes to Chip Zdarsky's um, variant cover for Silver Surfer Volume Two, which has the Silver Surfer using his surfboard like a uh, like a tongue depressor on Galactus. <laughs> it is amazing. It looks like Galactus has chicken pox and Silver Surfer is like checking out his tonsils. That's funny. Yeah. It, it, it is. Yeah, it, it, it is insane. Um, but yeah, so that's it for the 20. Dave, you have to get going, right? I do. Okay. So we're going to end the episode here for the live section, but now we're hopefully if the, uh, if the wonders of technology are working well, we're now going to transition into some um, nice Batman Bad Blood interviews where I've got interviews with Sean Marr, who plays Nightwing. You might know him from Firefly. And Yvonne Strahovski, who plays Batwoman. You definitely know her as the hot blonde lady on Chuck. Um, so please to enjoy. And if not, I apologize in advance. <laughs> Bye, guys. That's the Batman, you know, the transition. So, Yvonne, uh, have you done animation before? Uh, I have done animation before. I've done um, a couple of like kid movies, like the Lego Clutch Cows Lego movie, and played a koala before in video game stuff. So this gotcha. is, yeah, it's not my first sort of dance with this. Yeah. Okay, so how was it working with Jay compared to other directors? Oh, it was really great because he really, like, he understands this whole world very well. I mean, everyone, the whole team that I was working with really understood what was going on, and it was so easy to just come in and out. It was actually really fun uh, as well. 
to do it and I mean I feel like I got lucky as well with the character because she has a lot of one-liners I don't know if you've seen it or not I haven't seen it yet she has a lot of great lines as well that they sort of guided me you know directed me to play a certain way did you read any Batwoman comics uh, just to research it or just no, go no I never did I mean you know Bat- Batwoman's a, obviously I know who Batwoman is but I didn't do any gotcha. comic books or anything like that no Okay. Um, I know a lot of Chuck fans would be asking this. If Chuck were to come back, say, for like a Netflix um, season, would you jump on it, or is that in the past? Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about potentially doing a Chuck movie. Okay. Um, I think that we've, we've all kind of talked about it here and there, and I'm sure, you know, if all the stars aligned and that that would be a possibility that we would Okay, and back to Batwoman. Um, did Andrea approach you, or was it an audition process? Like, how did you land the role? Uh, they, I don't even remember, to be honest. I just remember them approaching me and asking me if I wanted to be the voice of Batwoman, and that um, this was the first time, I guess, that they've animated her, which was pretty cool. So nice. I definitely wanted to take them up on the offer. Awesome. Um, and I was shocked to find out that you weren't American. Um, because your American accent is so flawless. When, uh, how easy was it or how difficult was it to pick that up? Um, well, I, you know, we're sort of saturated by American culture in Australia, so growing up there, you kind of are familiar with it anyway. And then you know, I went to theater school, of course, and we did a lot of accent training, and American was one of them. So it just was, I don't know, it just really became it wasn't too hard, you know, and now and now that I've lived here, it's been nine years since I've, <laughs> since, I've, uh, since I moved, so it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's automatic now. Okay, and one final question. Uh, my wife is giving birth to our first child in March. It's going to be a girl. Do you have any advice for her? For, <laughs> well, I mean, if I had a baby, I might have some advice. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, for the baby, I mean, not oh, for, for my baby. wife. Yeah. Oh, oh, for the, for the baby? Yeah, for my future daughter. For a future daughter? Wow, that's, that's heavy. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I would say be, be love life and be kind to everybody. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with Travis Willingham, who plays the heretic in Batman Bad Blood, right? Yeah, the heretic. Is this a character with a lot of lines? I feel like he's like a grunter. I know. <laughs> I, I thought he might be as well. He, uh, he has a fair amount of lines. He is um, a cold and menacing character that doesn't reveal much. So in terms of personality, he's kind of a one, right? But I think that's kind of the point. He comes in and says these, uh, delivers these lines that obviously there's a lot behind them. He, he insinuates a lot, but then doesn't expand on it. You're left kind of wanting for more. And I guess it's revealed throughout the movie as you go along. Gotcha. And he's a bad, bad guy, too. Bad dude. Is that fun to play? Yeah. I mean, A, he's wearing a bat cow. B, he's bigger than Batman. Uh, that's exciting. Um, he also, if I may say so, puts a, a solid beat down on pretty much all of the characters in the movie without getting his own comeuppance, so I'm just <laughs> going to leave it out there that maybe he's a Rocky Marciano type, undefeated. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty fun to play. Um, it was interesting, the director just kept saying, you know, like, uh, we, don't, we want more questions about him than answers, so just do as little as possible. Like, and you're like, that we can do. <laughs> and you're like, sure, just tell me where to cash yeah, right. the checks, right? Just, just, just talk, basically, is what you're saying. He's like, yeah, don't act. That whole acting thing you're doing, stop. Just talk. Now, is that hard? The director's telling you not to act? It can be. I mean, you know, sometimes you get all fired up and you want to, like, you know, be really passionate with the lines. Uh, Another time, you know, he'll just go, stop. You know, there's, there's no explosions going on. You're menacing. You're this far away. Literally just say the lines. And then it helps having someone like Steve Bloom next to you, you know, who has the Guinness World Record for the most video games ever done. And when he talks, your shirt moves because his voice is so deep. So then you're like, oh, that's what we're doing. That makes sense. So when you were recording, the other actors were in there with you? 
Uh, for one of the sessions we were. We had a couple guys in there uh, that um, they were finishing up their lines, but very rarely did we have the you know the radio play style interaction. But otherwise, who are you doing your lines on? Uh, uh, no, normally it's just fed from Wes Gleason, who was our director, and uh, our voice director, Jay, would give us some context, and then it's just between the three to kind of make sure the intensity is in the right place and figure out what the tone of the scene is. Gotcha, and you gave away that the heretic kind of goes undefeated in this movie. Does that mean you're going to be back for the next Batman movie? I mean, you know, it'll, it'll be up for the fans to see. I'm just saying... If, from my point of view, I don't think he took any losses. When, when so. you put when you put it that way, should the movie be called Heretic Bad Blood? I think so. I think it should just be called Heretic Winner Over Batman. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Good. How you doing? Wow. All right. So I'm here with Jay Oliva, the um, director of Batman Bad Blood. Miss. You directed the previous two Batman anime. Right? Uh, no, I did Batman versus Robin, but I didn't do Son of Batman. You didn't do Son of Batman. Yeah. Okay. Um, Batman versus Robin was fantastic. Some of the best like animated fight scenes I've ever seen. Um, is can we expect more of that in Batman Bad Blood? Oh, of course. I mean, I always try to top what I did what I did prior. So uh, this one is the most action-packed one that I've done, uh, and I think I've, the fight sequences I do here is more complicated than I've ever done, so I hope fans will like it. Gotcha. And um, the character roster seems to have grown a lot this oh, yeah. movie. Is, are we, is it just cameos, or are we getting like uh, full-fledged like co-starring roles here? Oh, no, these are all, I mean, of course, the main, the main protagonist is going to be Dick Grayson, and, uh, and you know, of course, Demons in there, but we do juggle quite a few characters, but they're not just cameos. We, we do see them along the way. I mean, Batwoman is probably the next uh, biggest role, uh, but we are hoping that the fans, you know, uh, have a good response to both Batwoman and Batwing, so we can bring them back to few for future movies as well as hopefully spin off to, you know, full blown, you know, features for them themselves. Yeah, that would be awesome. Bat Batwoman has that, like, noir ish meets military feel to her. Yeah. Um, and so do you, now, how many DC animated movies have you done total? Uh, eight. Eight so far. On top of the animated series before then, too, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. But since, because uh, I, I think I started on uh, Green Lantern, Emerald Knights, and then from there, four with Dark Knight 1 and 2, and then War forward, I've done eight. I've done nine already, but we haven't announced my ninth film yet. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm guessing we can't like squeeze that out of you tonight. No, no, you gotta wait. You gotta wait until Comic Con for us to announce the next match. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you so much, Jay. So I'm here with Sean Marr, um, who plays Nightwing in Batman: Bad Blood, and this is your third time playing Nightwing, right? It sure is. Yeah. yeah. When. When you got cast as Nightwing originally, did they say you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life? <laughs> they certainly did not. I know they said uh, it was Andrea Romana who reached out, who was a fan of my work, and she said that she was waiting till she had something really juicy for me, and would I look at the script and see if I liked it? And, you know, there was Nightwing. Yeah, so it started with that. I thought it was just going to be one, one movie. Yeah, and then three movies later. Are we going to get a Nightwing solo movie? Do you know anything about that? I don't know anything about that, and if I did, I'd probably not be allowed to talk about fair it. Enough, <laughs> fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Uh, now, you went to NYU, right? It's a Tisch. Yeah. Um, we were there around the same time. I was two years behind you. Oh, no way. Yeah. I, I, uh, I have a question. A lot of people are questioning um, you know, the expense of college and if it's worth it. Did you find uh, college worth it for your career? Uh, and would well, you recommend it um, to actors coming up? That's a good question. Um, I would not have traded that time for anything in the world. I don't know. I, I, I have no way of knowing if it helped my career or not. Um, I do know that the training is something I still lean on and something that I still go to, um, especially with the voiceover work. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sure. Um, but I don't know. I mean, yes, I come across a lot of actors who have had no training and just sort of fell into it or don't believe that training is essential. I, I come from a school of thought that 
training is essential, absolutely. That if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know how to break down a text, if you don't know how to you know, physicalize your characters, if you don't know. Like for me, I'm an incredibly physical actor, so I do everything I can to drop into my body. So I find if I, you know, if I go up into my head or if it becomes cerebral, I'm completely gone. Like, and, and it's, you know, it's out the door. Um, all those tools I learned at NYU, you know, um, I also feel uh, like, uh, yeah, no, I ended up at Playwrights Horizons and I still have, you know, people there that I stay in close contact with, especially the director of the school. And, um, so I had an incredibly positive experience. I don't feel like um, I would have done it any other way. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I definitely think some sort of class or training or, um, you know, actors who just think, you know, they get the right hair and clothing and, and walk into a room and, and I, I don't think that's going to you know I think that's going to sustain them for a long or maybe well I don't know I mean for me I, 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 I need I need what I learned and as I and I never stop learning and I think I go from coaches to coaches and I find different techniques and I you know that's what I will say I will advise everybody that they are they are own expert in what their process is there's, there's no guru there's no there's no perfect technique there's no you know anything that's it's, you know it's, it's not that black and white that there are so many ways to approach this craft that we do and the, the best you can do is expose yourself to as much as you can and then take what you can from from each you know at this point in my career, I'm, I'm finding that I'm, I'm, I'm merging my spiritual life with my creative life, and that I don't even understand how I approach my work without kind of what I've learned <clears throat> as a student of spirituality, meditation, and all that. Interesting. So, yeah, we're, I, if you, all right. yeah, sure. If you don't mind, uh, like, walk me through a normal day. You say you meditate. Do you meditate every day? I meditate every day. I meditate twice a day. Do you do yoga, um, work out? I do yoga. I do not work out. I um, haven't been inside a gym and. I don't know how long, you know, and it, it changes, like, if it changes with, with roles and stuff, like, sure, I'll, you know, if, I, if I'm not working on something where I really need to focus on, you know, building muscle or body, like, yoga is my thing, meditation. What style of yoga do you do? I do <clears throat> hatha. Okay. Um, and anusara, specifically. Cool. Yeah. Um... And I just went blank. Okay, hold on. So my day. <laughs> yeah. So meditation. I just find that as an actor, I think we're always trying to, like, I've recently, um, in regards to mindfulness and meditation, there's this, like, I think there's this really mis misconception that we're meant to be, as people and specifically as artists, like, we're meant to be, like, calm or zen okay. or, you know, come from a place of you know, ease, which is just impossible, you know, and I think for so many years, we were always told as actors, you just relax, or just this, or just that, or like, when you walk into the room, you know, you got to like, own it, and, and, and what if we're not in that owning mode, like, does, do we suddenly not, you know, it's impossible to think that we can only work from a place of calm, because we're not always calm, so in the times that we're not calm, are, can we not work, like, that's just, that's insane, so I think what lately what I've been doing is sort of like you know in, in kind of a, in a Buddhist way kind of like accepting whatever is happening right now as just it's perfect just as it is like there's nothing I can do and the only the only times you notice that someone's nervous is when they're trying not to be nervous right mm -hmm. so if you're trying to like squelch your anxiety you're going to seem more nervous because this current flow of you know nerves is what's truthful to you at the moment so the second that you're trying to like put that truth down you're going in your head and saying this isn't good so you're labeling as bad so you're now you're going to self-judgment so i think just if we can embrace anything that's happening even the nerves you know i mean you know i give the nerves another name you know if we can call it like fluttering instead of like oh my god my heart's gonna fall out of my chest i'm gonna vomit you know could it be just you know and if you sit with the sensation for 7 to 12 seconds, it usually subsides if you actually, like, give it the space that it needs, you know, which is what I've learned in my spiritual life, you know, and what I try to do now, you know, in my creative life. And do you find it hard balancing um, work and family? 
Yes and no. Uh, we just moved closer to a lot of family, so now I'm, I'm we're located in the Midwest okay. now. So I've um, we did a we did a giant move to relocate the family to raise the children closer to the tribe. So now I feel like I can kind of take off and not worry so much about their well-being while I'm gone. Now okay. they have kind of a whole support system, you know, so yeah, it is, it's always a, it's a tricky, sometimes it's a short trip, sometimes it's a long trip, sometimes something's going on, like, you know, I left last week to go to LA, and, you know, there was stuff happening with my daughter, and I, the last thing I wanted to do was, you know, get on a plane and leave her, you know, I wanted to, like, stay there and, and take care of her, um, but, you know, it's our work. Gotcha, and you're a father of two. I'm about to become a father of one. Oh, wow. um, my wife's pregnant with our our daughter right now. She's due in March. Thank oh. you. She's due too. <laughs> yeah. When do you do? Oh, oh, I thought it was March. April. <laughs> well, He's due in March. <laughs> uh, do you have any advice uh, for oh, me? Wow. <laughs> oh my God! Everything that's coming to mind is such a cliche. <laughs> um, it, it goes so fast. That's such a cliche, but it does. Um, yeah. Any advice? You know, I would just say that they're not robots. Kind of like what I would say to an actor. Like, there's no one way to do it. No child is going to be the same, especially two children, one to the next is <laughs> like, oh my, what do you mean? It worked with her and it doesn't work with him. Um, so I would be weary of reading too many books or, or you know, I, I would say your intuition is going to become your best, your best guide in, in regards to parenting. Um, and it's just get prepared to have it change you in ways that you've never gotcha. imagined. Especially you're, you're, what are you, you're an actor. No. No. Well, you went to my Yeah, I, I went for film school, but... Oh, got I, it, got yeah. it. But you're creative. Yes. Yes. So I think as a creative, these creatures are going to, like, go... <laughs> and like crack you open I mean my daughter like, in a good way though in right? a fantastic way <laughs> okay. sometimes troublesome way because I'm like you know it was like such a mirror and I was like wait a second like I'm not living you know as authentically as I thought it was and like here I like when you kind of have all these new wants and desires and you see life through the new eyes and it shifts your perspective and it's all you know it's pretty remarkable uh, Okay. <laughs> All right, one quick last question. Back to the movie for a minute. Um, you look a lot like Dick Grayson. If you were offered oh. to play him live action, would you take that job? Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. After every time I see the movie, I feel so fat. <laughs> you have to be kidding me. He's all like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm fat. <laughs> all right, thank you so much, Sean. Yeah. Tell me your name again. Uh, Billy. Billy Hennehan. Hennehan. Yeah. Like, uh, H E H E N E H A N. Thank you. Hand in hand. Yeah.